Welcome to the GT Reboot Gaming Trends Podcast for all news and preview discussion. We have a very special episode for you this week. The former hosts of the Reboot are back, that is, Eric Van Allen and Kenneth Shepard, to discuss their feelings on Bethesda's new policy on review copies. I also want to share their thoughts on the recently reviewed Nintendo Switch. In addition, Kenneth talks about his World of Final Fantasy review, and Eric talks about why he loves Dragon Quest Builders so much. It's a bit of a longer episode this week due to the special occasion, and we're so excited to share it with you, so let's boot up! What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the GT Reboot, episode 74 for that matter. My name is Joe DeClara, your new co-host, uh, joined by the other co-host, that's Mike Pierce. Hey, guys. And uh, we are also joined this week by two very special guests, uh, the former co-hosts of the GT Reboot, that's Eric Van Allen and Kenneth Shepard. Hi. What up? Hi, guys. How are you? I'm not dead. You are not dead. I'm sorry for what we did to your show. You ruined everything, I'm sure. No, you guys have got your shit figured out, because like, you got you decided to get everybody like looking at each other with video, and you got music now. That's true. I mean, we just fucking yeah. shout out a thing every week, and you know, you've already like three steps ahead of what anything we did 70, in 71 episodes. You say that now, but we'll see how you feel in about 45 minutes, Kenneth. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Duly noted. You see... One one thing that's great about the music is it disguises the absolute mess of, of the, the massacre of the that occurs for every episode. <laughs> so that's a great thing about it, yes. But yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys were the hosts, uh, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago, and as I'm sure my our listeners know, because this this is your show uh, for about a year, and you talked at length a couple episodes ago about the show. And uh, now you left us because you you clearly don't love the GT reboot anymore. It doesn't matter to you. But no, you had I'm sure uh, lots of things going on. Uh, you know, you guys are getting bigger and better. And uh, I'm glad to see. What's that, that supposed to mean? Well, hey, you know, take I it. Think or leave maybe it, uh, yeah, you might you might need to put the music in right over that part. That was that's totally fine. Yeah, just gloss over the awkward. That's right. fine. But I mean. News goes on, video games go on. So far, what do you want to see from Mike and us in a not-so-serious term? What do you want to see from the show? I mean, you've mentioned it before during the show, you guys said I it. mean, the, the thing I always wanted to see with, with just when somebody, because I think Ken and I always planned that somebody would take over the podcast at some point. We always just wanted to see someone, like, take our ideas and then, like, go nuts with them. You know, like, we kind of get, like, an idea in our heads of what we want a podcast to be. But that also leads to situations where it's like, we don't think of X thing because we wouldn't think of that thing. Other people would. And so, like, the music, the having us up on, on video chat while we're talking to each other and stuff like that. So we can have, like, that connection mm-hmm. there as well to talk so we're not, like, stumbling over each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Those are things that we never thought of. And, and for one reason or another, you know, sometimes it's because we had some guy calling in from Canada and his connection was already crap to us. So we had no possibility. Look, if I'm being real talk here, we had no possibility of doing video with some of the people that we had calling in. Sure, yeah. So, like, so like doing this already is, is pretty awesome. But, like, 
Um, yeah, it's it's stuff like this that we never honestly would have thought of or tried, and it's exciting to see y'all like experiment with the format and mess it around because like we had our podcast, we had our time on the podcast, and I, I want to see other people do different stuff with it. I don't know about you, Joe, but uh, with all that talk of experimentation, that sounds like license to just fuck this show up. All right. Oh, I thought you were going to stop a few words <laughs> shorter than that. <laughs> I mean, so far, we're on the right track for that, I think. But I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's exciting to do things. I, I hope so far the video thing has worked. And then one day we can make it a video show. You know, that's a whole other thing. Or or maybe not. Maybe that doesn't work at all. And then we start getting real people on, you know, developers. We, we or could use my beige comforter as a background, you know, as like the as like the, the, the substitute for a green screen. How cool would yes, that be? That would be good. It would be the beige yellow screen. Yeah. A beige screen. Yeah. 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 I've thought about putting a green screen up behind me before because every once in a while when I get like the inkling to do it, I think like maybe I'll do like a Twitch cast or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can see, it, obviously, the audience at home cannot see, but, yeah, like, sure. this room, there's not really, like, a place behind me, between me and the bed, to put, like, a green screen, and then I have to remind myself, like, hey, I'm not a Twitch streamer. Yeah. I'm just a normal-ass, everyday game reviewer who has to wait till a day before review day yep. to get my yeah, best yeah, copies about like that, everybody else. About that, <laughs> Way though. to drop looking that for in. Those, looking for those segues, of course, and Eric gave it to us. We have a great one right here. Bethesda not supplying review copies any earlier than one day ahead of its release. Uh, so if we could just jump right into that. I mean, that is probably the biggest thing. I remember coming home, I was out for the entire day and out of the Slack channel and jumped in uh, to the Slack oh, channel. Oh, yeah, that was a mistake. Editors, uh, hold. No, it's fine, but it was very much, it looked like a transcript from the most contentious uh, you know, political issues. Uh, it was pretty hardcore and for good reason, you know, it is a very polarizing issue, but to get to the story itself, Bethesda is not going to be providing early review copies for Dishonored 2 and for Skyrim uh, special edition, I think is how they're calling it. It is. And, uh, yeah. This is, yeah, they announced this in a blog post and they uh, had done this with doom earlier this year and it worked out fine for them. And that is obviously what they're working off of. That's what they said in the blog post. And they, have decided that for one reason or another, they won't benefit from having the reviews out early or giving out review copies early. They had said that the reasoning was they want all of all of their audience, whether it be media or consumers, to experience the games at the same time. So what do you guys think of this? Well, who wants to go first? Let's start with Eric. I, Eric had, had some thoughts. <laughs> I had some thoughts in the Slack the other day, and I have even more thoughts since, because I've just been stewing on this thing since it happened. God, I'm stoked for this. Uh, Let's hear it. I don't, well, and so that's the thing. Like my, my takes when they came out the oven the first time were <laughs> pretty darn hot. Um, they, they were just boiling. Uh, and they might have cooled a little bit since then, but I think this is obviously bad for consumers. Like, I, I think it's almost inarguable that this is a bad move for consumers because it denies the ability to have day one reviews. Now, whether your argument wants to be that, like, do people read day one reviews? That's, I think that's a different conversation, but, um, you know, it's, it's, the whole conversation i practically want to like think that bethesda maybe like got out there and said it in this way to kind of spin it in this direction because 
a lot of it went from like oh reviewers don't have early copy to like you should never pre-order games and like um look i'm not gonna be the one to tell you like hey you shouldn't pre-order games like you should have learned that by now from games like you know for anything from like assassin's creed unity down to stuff like um evolve and, and things like that you know no there sky. there's always a no man's sky like recent example that a lot of people are like touting up on a, on a banner to like say like hey you should not pre-order games mm. um i think more of the issue is just that it, it's it's a very transparent show of what publishers want out of games coverage and I think the most interesting things I've read about it have been from other PR people. Like, um, I will name drop John Harden from Atlas, who has talked a lot about this on, on Twitter. And his take has very much been like, this is a bad thing, but I can understand why they're making the move. Because at the end of the day, like a, a publisher wants to sell copies of the game. And when you're putting out a game, you don't know if those reviews are going to come out good or bad and people hold up doom as like this like thing like oh bethesda's last game no review copies came out critically acclaimed would it have been the same way if people got early review copies i mean people talk a lot about like how good doom is but then like they talk about how good doom's single player is when you look at doom's multiplayer (laughs) no one knows that doom has multiplayer so um or or snap map or any of those other things so you got to kind of wonder if that was maybe a little calculated from them that they were like, oh, people are going to be rushing to get out the takes on Doom once it comes out. And then like, all they're going to play is a single player and maybe like a little bit of multiplayer, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Because that's how most shooter game reviews go nowadays is you don't play like 40 hours of multiplayer before you write the review. You play like 10. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and and 10 is on like a good review when you have a lot of lead time. Yeah, sure. um, so it, it gets to a point where it's like... Uh, you know, they want the good coverage and, and they especially want coverage that they can control. And and that comes in previews and that comes in like YouTubers and Twitch streamers. Like previews always end with the addendum like maybe this will get fixed, maybe it'll be good. Like they always have a tone of like you don't want to pass judgment on the game yet. You just kind of want to talk about like what the game is doing and what it isn't doing. But like previews always try to like hold back from passing judgment and the same goes for like twitch streamers and youtubers they're trying to make entertaining coverage they're trying to bring people in not just to look at the game they're playing but also at the person who's playing it it's personality focused and and that's not even touching on the issues of like influencers and paid content and stuff like that so the focus again is not on judging the game it's on it's on anything but the critical evaluation of said game that could then lead to someone going like I don't think this game is for me. Mm. So that's basically them going, Hey, we don't want to have to deal with that pre-release. We'll deal with it after release because after that it's out of our hands. Anyways, they're going to go buy a copy and review it anyways, Mm. but we don't want to deal with that. And there's definitely like also a large portion of gamers who like, even me, I know there are games that I'm going to buy. Like I I could read a million bad reviews of final fantasy 15 and I will still buy that game and play it. Because I need to know that it's bad. I need to personally know that it's bad. I, I have investment in sure, that game sure. now. Same with Persona 5. Like, I know I will buy Persona 5. I could literally read 15 reviews that are all like 1 out of 10 saying it's a broken buggy mess. 
I would still buy Persona 5. That's me. I mean, I feel like so, that's, yeah, the extreme case. You know, you you buying, for one, you're a game reviewer, and for two, if you, like, even if you hear that it's a broken, buggy mess, that could be fixed later. That's a pretty unique thing. Like, that's the main thing for me. These games could be a broken, buggy mess, and you don't know while you're putting in your pre-order. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's my issue specifically on, on the, you know, most zoomed out level of this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, like you said, like it's it's absolutely a it's a thing. Well, look, there are polarizing issues on uh, this entire thing, but it is in general something that benefits only Bethesda, right? It's only something that benefits the publishers. That's what the general gist of what I'm getting from other people talking about it. I myself have not been reviewing games for a long time. You guys have, and so I took the approach of just like let me see what people's reactions are, see what people think of this, see what people from different uh, corners of the media and of the business uh, and developers think of this. And generally you're getting predictable responses from people depending on their position, right? People who just kind of critique, people who critique games are upset, right? It doesn't benefit them. It makes their job a lot harder and it gets, it puts real pressure on them. Pressure they haven't had to deal with in a long time. A lot of reviewers never had to deal with that pressure, right? Young reviewers like us don't know a time, really, where we didn't get review copies, you know, not early review copies. And that's Mm -hmm. interesting to see that, like, it went from this being a real thing and an existing thing from many publishers years ago to the internet becoming a thing, early review copies becoming ubiquitous and now it's going backwards you know this is a trend we're seeing in other reviewers but i want to see what you other guys are thinking about i'm i'm pointing upward and leftward because that's where you guys are positioned on my phone so sorry um <laughs> kenneth why don't you take it away my weirdest takeaway is like you said it really depends on your perspective like you can explain why bethesda does it all you want i the part that gets weird to me is when you see consumers defending it not from like a stance of like I defend them because I understand where they're coming from. It's more like you come up with these weird rationale, like, Oh, I, I want to play the game and find out for myself. how I feel well, sure. But that should not be like the only option for a consumer to have. Like there's also this part of me that's like, Bethesda is fine to not provide uh, review copies, but they are fine to like have box quotes on like the steam, li- the steam listing for Skyrim and they're fine to have previews and then have those quotes and trailers um, it's like, I mean, I, I would say, oh, you can't have it halfway, but clearly they can and they're content to do that. Cause <laughs> you know, us as the press, it's still our job to cover things in the best way, whatever, whatever way we can. And that's, you know, that's our job. So it's not like when someone says, oh, deny them coverage. No, cause we still should cover it for the sake of the reader. Right. In theory. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's Bethesda playing the system, and it, I really, it really says a lot about, like, pre-order culture, that people are willing to, like, jump on the fire for, these, for a studio who just wants their money. And, you know, and I'm not saying that making games is, like, some sort of, it's like, I mean, it is a business, but it is not like people are always just trying to get, you know, nickel and dime everybody, but, so it's not like, I feel like Skyrim or Dishonored is going to be shit and they want to rip people off. I just feel like they want to manipulate the situation in whatever way they can, regardless of how anti-consumer it might be. 
because they know that in theory you could get them the most profit. But you know, that's pre-order culture and weird like developer worship. I don't know. I'd say at that point it's maybe a little bit important to acknowledge that this is a decision made by a publisher and not by like a developer because I don't think this is a move that even the developers want because like you talk to any developer and and sure they're going to get like maybe a little salty about the games that you've reviewed poorly or something like that a lot of times you'll talk to them and they'll be like yep you're right you're spot on like (laughs) I'll sometimes even say I've talked to developers who are like, you rated that game a lot higher than you <laughs> than we ever thought someone would. Um, and I won't name names on that one. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, developers and publishers is like two very different situations. And that's like the weirder part is that I'm assuming like from reading this that Bethesda handles most of their PR. I myself haven't had a ton of interactions with Bethesda PR outside this last summer when we had to set up the uh, the presser stuff for E3 and all that. Besides that, I honestly haven't had much interaction with any PR related to Bethesda. But uh, a lot of companies tend to have usually they'll have like one or two internal PR people, but they work with contractors. Um, there's tons of names out there that work with PR and that we work with on a daily basis, getting press releases from talking to about interviews, travel review, all that kind of stuff. And so that's like the weirder thing is that like Bethesda's making this call as like publisher and PR. And it's, it's like solely removed from like the dev side who I think would actually maybe want to hear some of this feedback right away. I mean, they're not, like when the game comes out, they're not done, you know, nowadays in game development, like it used to be like, oh, game comes out, everybody's on to the next project, and there's like a few people left over. Now there's like tons of people still sticking around, still making DLC, still fixing bugs, and you have like the concept of a living game, and, and mm-hmm. you like Overwatch, and, and all that kind of stuff, where you have, it's it's not just a team working on a single entity, but like a living project that goes for several years at a time. And so what those reviews do is they can give you like a checklist for like the first couple months of like, okay, like obviously we can't fix if someone doesn't like this character. They think their writing is crap or Mm. their voice acting is crappy. Like we can't fix that. Well, I mean, destiny did, but everyone else can't fix that. Mm. (laughs) Um, But like they can look at, Hey, they said like this specifically is buggy or they have like video evidence of this specific bug. And that goes up on a checklist of like, okay, these are things we need to fix. And they probably like prioritize them because they've been publicized. They've been in reviews and that kind of stuff. So people are going to see them and they want to be able to advertise it. Like, Hey, we fixed this. It's not as buggy as it used to be, but like it gives a good watchdog level for the developers as well. Obviously not as much because we tend to lean consumer watchdog more than developer watchdog. You know, we're not QA, but it's, it's, it's a service that literally benefits everyone but the people trying to sell you a game. Sure, And yeah, so, like, true. when viewed through that lens, it's it makes it really obvious when, like, when someone's trying to, you know, squelch that out, that's what's happening. Like, that's who that benefits. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree on the most part. Like, the idea that a review uh, can benefit the, the developer because... It gives them a checklist of things. I'm sure that's true. I wouldn't know firsthand. I think just the most overwhelmingly evident issue here is, uh, like you guys have said multiple times, is that this is 
going to hurt the consumer uh, in almost any way. And what I'm worried about is that the consumer is so complacent at this point, you know, with pre-order culture being just absolutely everywhere and it, and it operates with impunity. You know, there's, there's no one who raises a question except for people like us, people in games media to pre-order culture at this point. And it, it operates on its own and it operates without, without real value to it whatsoever. You know, there are every now and then some things, you know, like I, I'm guilty to pre-ordering games, you know, for a stupid freaking statue that I wanted or, you know, like a free game that it comes with. But we should value our money and we should value, uh, like there's no reason. There is no good reason besides crappy incentives to pre-order a game. And at this point now, it's even more, it's it's so much more important to, stand by that because you're just you are going to be handed something that's broken at some point you know 2014 i th- which you i think you were alluding to eric it was loaded loaded with broken games especially the fall mm-hmm. and the mainstream didn't bat an eyelash and it's just gonna it just allowed it made it like it's allowed now it's totally allowed to just send out a broken game and patch it later you know games are built on that that is the standard at this point and it all happened in two years it's outrageous and it's just getting worse. You know, 2K did this now with the early review copies. Bethesda's doing it. Bethesda, the way they did it was ingenious. I, you know, like you, Eric, I was, I'm upset about it, but mine actually built over time. Like you're, you cooled off and I actually built up a little more. At first I was like, let me step back and see like what people say. And now that I've heard what people say, people smarter than me, people who have had much longer experience than me. It's true. I I now see like why this is problematic. I understand that it is totally their prerogative. It is totally their right to do this more than their right. You know, it's we are we are not entitled to getting review copies early. But it was a sign of goodwill for publishers years ago to start doing this as a normal thing. And now they're going back on it. While that's totally their prerogative, it it shows where their mind is at and to spin it like it's some favor they're doing for us is it's silly uh yeah Mike, I, uh, that's one of the things that i wanted to talk about is that it's just completely ridiculous the notion that they're doing this so that everyone can play the game at the same time like what the <laughs> who the hell is that benefiting except them that's complete bullshit it's just yeah total real talk unadulterated bullshit and real talk they said that and literally, like, there were tweets and stuff, like, retweeting it. They said that while, like, YouTubers and stuff were going live with, mm-hmm. like, special streams of Skyrim <laughs> <laughs> special edition that they got early from the Yeah, yeah. Time. Not yeah. only was it total transparent bullshit, it was apparent and, like, right in front of you bullshit. Like, it was actually not true at all. So that's outrageous. What gets me is that, like, so some people, and, and this even happened on, on, on Slack in the gaming trend, chat rooms there were some people that were saying that this is an issue or a problem or a situation that will fix itself right the consumer will write this by seeing that a game is not good enough and then not going out and buying something later on until a review comes out or not pre-ordering or whatever and that's clearly not the case we have years of evidence to show us that that's not the case 2014 case in point i mean no Man's Sky and all the other things we talked about earlier today. Mm-hmm. If all yep. of a sudden, if we see it, like six months from now, a month from now, I don't know. Christmas season actually would be perfect for it. But if you see all of a sudden 
a major drop off in pre like in pre-orders and people buying things immediately after release prior to a review then i will buy that the consumer will somehow fix this issue but that does not seem to be the case at all and there's absolutely no. nothing to show that that is the case and so like as long as this trend continues it's just going to be easier and easier for developers and publishers mostly i guess publishers because i don't think there are that many developers that actually want to put out a shitty game um, but publishers obviously want to make money no matter whether the game is good or not that's their only incentive yeah. but yep. we're going to see yeah. more and more of this churning out games that are I don't know if I want to say substandard, but I guess that's maybe the best term for it. Churning out games that are substandard and are no good to play. And I just I, think this is like a, this is a dangerous precedent to set. And I'm, 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 uh, I, I'm worried about I it. wonder if this would have any um, any repercussions on the actual quality of the game. Like I just, I mean, think I that just regardless of how good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good fade away i don't know look i don't know if that has any i don't know if that would have any um repercussions to the quality of the games you know the games are good or not regardless the 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 policy is a bad one for good games and for bad games that's just the point in case like i was saying before it's brilliant because they used their guinea pig was this game that was people were very tentative about and we're very skeptical, a lot of people. You know, it was a reboot, which is good, and it had a big following. But at the same time, no one knew if it was going to be good. It was the first game to do this this year, uh, to go out and not have early review copies. So people were saying, ah, we all know about this. So the odds were sort of against it. You know, it wasn't a sequel like Dishonored 2. It wasn't a already good game being remastered like Skyrim. It is a huge has a huge cult following that has been waiting for this game forever, but people hadn't seen it. And they put that out there. And regardless of the fact that it didn't have these uh, scores from the previous game, uh, like Dishonored or scores from the game when it wasn't remastered back in 2011, like Skyrim printed on the box, those scores aren't there to support saying, Hey, go buy this game. Even though you haven't seen any reviews for it, doom did extremely well. So it was the perfect guinea pig for this. It was a genius move. I still don't know if I'm for it, and I, I'd like to believe that our consumers of this culture have the fortitude to, like you said, Mike, to not pre-order fucking games. Like, it just doesn't make sense, you know? But at the same time, I, have, I can't believe that that's true because pre-order culture, it's a culture now. And it's called a culture because it's embedded in so many people's minds and in their ways, and, and I think that's just the way it is now. Uh, I was just gonna say that like there there's only one reason that I ever pre-order a game like even the games that I know I'm going to play like Final Fantasy like I don't have a pre-order for Final Fantasy 15 uh, I do have a pre-order for Persona 5 because they were like limited edition steelbook case you only get this if you pre-order and like a lot of things that used to be like collector's editions that would be in limited quantities but still be available They've now, like, solely limited to pre-orders. Mm -hmm. And it goes along with, like, you know, putting skins in pre-orders, putting early access to the game in pre-orders. Yep, yep. The pre-order thing keeps getting nastier. And, like, you even run into situations where it could be, like, imagine if EA did this sort of thing. Not that I'm saying they would, but imagine if EA did this sort of thing. But then they still had the whole thing with Battlefield 1, where if you buy, like, the super-duper collector's edition, you get to play it four days before everybody else. 
So now, like, normal-ass game people have, you know, people who are buying that get to play the game before even reviewers are. And you run into the issues there where it's like, well, like, as an outlet, do you then buy Super Duper Collector Edition and don't even wait to get, like, review copy of it? And And now it's, like, actively... It's costing you more money than it would have. Because at least Bethesda was like, oh, we'll still send a review copy. It'll just show up, like, one day, one day before. before yeah. but- and, you know, oh, that's nice of you. But, like, uh, I saw it from Polygon, the editor-in-chief over there. He said, we'll just go down to Chinatown and buy Dishonored 2, <laughs> like, a week before it yeah. hits street. Fucking do Like, it. honestly, like... That's what they did for No Man's Sky. Like Kotaku went to the streets and started picking up early copies of it. And and a lot of people gave him shit for it. But like, look, if you're going to turn this thing into a rat race, and especially if you're not going to give a reason for it, like with No Man's Sky, where they're like, no early copies, but we're not saying why. Mm -hmm. um, If you're just going to turn it into a rat race like this, everybody's going to take the advantages that they get. And and I talked a little bit about it in Slack, but it's like, you're going to end up with people... Um, rushing reviews out, getting out hot takes, getting like the fastest and and sometimes most controversial thing they can say because they'll because, be the uh, only yeah. voice out there. They'll be the first one out there. And you know what? For IGN, for Polygon, for Kotaku, for all the, the like the biggest sites, you know what you would refer to as the big game sites. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an issue. For smaller sites, for ones that you know are considered you know below that tier um you know not quite like medium blog status but like you know they have a name they have a site they get review copies but they're not like you know they're not bringing in the millions right yeah like secondary Uh, reporters and and that's where it turns that's where it turns into a rat race and i'll tell you right now like there are a lot of sites out there who are going to start competing to get stuff out there before other people do Mm. and it just it creates this really bad mindset of the the nice thing about embargoes and the nice thing about getting early review copy and having embargoes means that there's an equal opportunity for everyone to play the game, to review the game, to think about the game. There's no favorites, there's no exclusives despite what anyone says, no one's getting early copy or earlier copy because of some favoritism. Mm-hmm. Like it sets the bar. And when you lose that, when you turn it into a rat race and basically say like Oh, you get it a day before everyone else does. Uh, good luck. <laughs> like you also lose that little bit that was helping to bring out like smaller voices and give them a chance to at least like be swinging on embargo day with the bigger sites. So, I think yeah, the, it's a it's a bad situation all around. I think the other thing that bothers me is, you know, I I would imagine if this goes forward and this becomes a trend and it and it and it goes past Bethesda, and some other people start doing it, I doubt that things like previews a month or two or three months before the game comes out are going to go away. And if they don't go away, then what really bothers me about it is that it sort of creates this, like, well, we can have our cake and eat it too kind of a thing on behalf of the publisher, you know? They can get the extra clicks, the extra viewership, the extra PR, the extra media attention, whatever, that's generated by a game reviewer putting out a a preview, a decent preview that, like Eric said, does not necessarily pass judgment, but creates some sort of a buzz. They can, you know, they can benefit from that. But then they can turn right around and say, no, 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 we're not giving any 
early review copies out because, you know, we want everybody to play everything at the same time for the sake of our fans or whatever. And and then, like Kenneth said, it would be great if media outlets could turn around and say, well, you know, screw you, we're just not going to give you any coverage. But as a media outlet, you can't do that because you're not just concerned about the publishers and the developers, you're concerned about your readers and consumers. So you can't just drop coverage to give them the finger. So it really kind of puts the us, the media companies, in a bind. And uh, yeah, I, like it, it really, frankly, it pisses me off. want to talk about the voice actor strike honestly i'm not as well versed as i had hoped i would be i i'm somewhat it. familiar i mean it's been a lot of the the same issues that they've been bringing up for it feels like a, a year ago i was writing this new story yep. saying that they were considering a union yeah 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 strike. that was a thing yeah. and uh and now they're they're going through with it and a lot of it just has to do with what ends up being a really bad situation overall for voice actors i mean you have tons of stories of people having to do strenuous voice sessions because they don't want to book a studio for more than like two or three days. Mm-hmm. Um, literally like uh, it, I want to say it was like Troy Baker or someone was saying there was a day where he was like coughing up blood. Yeah, he was bleeding yep. from uh, his throat, because he said. Yeah. Bleeding from his throat. Yeah. 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 Um, Sounds pleasant. Yeah. I mean, and, and you have a lot of big name voice actors getting behind this, like um, uh, Jennifer Hale troy baker mm-hmm. will wheaton um it's and it, it it's a big issue that like needs to be addressed because they have bad hours i mean they have somewhat decent pay i think they get i think the the number that was going around was 800 dollars a day but when you consider they only do maybe like four to five days of actual voice work in a single month mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, that gets a little dicier yeah yeah um Especially when you're living out there and them there, Californias. I just um, think yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, They've been in negotiations for 19 months now. That's absurd. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're dealing with like publishers and stuff like that who, you know, they. Union negotiations are, are crazy because it's just like there's so many parties involved and everybody wants to make sure that everybody's on the same page. That's why you don't see a ton of people getting out there ahead of the story, like doing interviews and stuff like that, because the second they do, it like gives up bargaining power. And then like, when you go to the negotiation table, you don't have as much leverage over the other person because they know what you're coming in with and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a dicey situation and you don't like, honestly, it's refreshing for me because you don't see this stuff often in games. Usually it's just like, Hey, this game came out and it was pretty fucking buggy. Yeah. Yeah. People on the internet are mad. Video game news. Like, yeah, yeah, big um, day, big day. But but the big thing that they've been working for is, like, standards. Like, having, you know, a limited number of hours. And also, like, and this is the craziest thing to me, knowing what character you're playing or that you're trying out for. Like, the other Troy Baker story that's been going around yeah. is that he was applying to be the Joker and didn't re- they didn't tell him it was the Joker. Yeah, and that's like and apparently like, very common. And I didn't know this that like you can you could do a voice acting role and not know at all what game you're 
doing the role for. And it could be just like, you know, grunt number three that says, you know, we got to get the hell out of here. It could be anything. And you would never know what that game is, you know, but I mean, yeah. outrageous that Troy Baker goes in and he's playing the Joker and he doesn't know he's playing the Joker. Like, well, and Hollywood, he only realizes that it because sense. he like, he gets like halfway in and he's like, Oh, these are lines for that the Mark Joker. Hamill's, the Joker said in, it was like one of the comics. Uh, right. But, but that's when it's... he figured out, not when he went into the studio, <laughs> like, no, but also like, that section right there like calls back to what we were just discussing which is like the publishers really just care about like you know oh what happens if a if a voice actor like we tell them that they're playing uh this like character in a video game and it leaks that like oh this character is showing back up in this video game and oh no our like big yeah, release is ruined and there's no more pomp and circumstance about it yeah, it's yeah. like at some point the hype train needs to like come to grips with itself and understand that like we should be worried about giving these people like they are the people who put voice acting in our games like they're the people who elevate our games beyond zork and it's like we should be respecting zork, great their game, input the a little don't bit don't want to hate <laughs> yeah better with better with voice acting yeah, yeah. uh as shown by the witness yeah uh so like <laughs> it's um it's you gotta get to the point where it's like there are people who put input into these games and some of the things that they're asking for like residuals and things like that i i can see from both sides on that one how publishers don't think that residuals is a good idea because guess what not a lot of people get residuals on games to start with and especially the people who code and program those games do not get residuals this is also like a situation where it's like maybe those people the people who program and code games should think about their own bargaining situation if you catch my drift <laughs> but that's another story for another day oh, it was very drifty um, eric it was very drifty yeah it's um i you know i don't want to be the one to say it so nobody can get pissed at me and come at me but just saying um yeah it's uh it it's just a situation where i think they they need to finally address that there are bad standards in the industry or just a complete lack of standards and there needs to be something in place and you know now we're probably going to end up with a lot of the q3 2018 games will have a distinct lack of recognizable voice actors sure, yeah. which yeah in in some ways might be all right because then yeah. not every video game character will be Matt Mercer and Troy Baker. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, I wonder like the repercussions of something like that when like you're going to give uh, more exposure to these more lowly voice actors, not lowly, but just voice actors that are less experienced or less recognizable, have less resonance in the industry. The unions like all of a sudden, like you're creating a whole other thing where instead of it being a problem, it's someone else's, uh, you know, reckoning and like they, they end up getting, uh, they, they end up profiting for it. And I wonder yeah, I'm putting if my demo a... tape together already. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting ready. No voice actors. Sounds like it's time for Eric Van Allen yeah. to bust <laughs> up in the industry. You know what else I want to know too. So if this, uh, if this, this guy who is going to play the Joker, if he didn't find out until, well, I don't know, halfway through all of his recording sessions or whatever, you got to wonder were were his first takes, before he figured it out, <laughs> were they were they yeah. considerably worse or <laughs> very unjokerly? Right, those yeah. first like, couple of takes. Yeah. And how many times has that affected finished the products works. that we yeah. played 
where we thought, oh my god, the voice acting in this game is absolutely atrocious, and it's because <laughs> some screen actor, you know, spent days in the studio, and they didn't have a damn clue what the hell, or who the hell they were actually supposed to be, Yeah. so they couldn't yeah. represent the personality of that character properly. Yeah, or even you more... You know, I like, I like this take on the Joker, that it, like, could turn into something else, like a Mickey Mouse voice, <laughs> like, oh, Batman, oh! Hey, well, you never oh. know what you're going to get if you're you don't tell him, right? Like, If you don't tell him, yeah. it's It goes to show just, like, you know, you, re- you relate this to also issues with these horror stories you hear with developers and Crunch Time, which was a huge story earlier this year in the video game industry it's just so behind the times with quality of life issues uh it's just so not uh addressed in so many of these publishers so many of these developers uh i i don't know it's just i feel like video games are so ahead of times in some ways like in the way that they address uh social issues and their art and you know stuff like that sometimes sometimes you know like we have a long way to go but but we we are certainly ahead of the curve as far as politics is concerned you know not going to get into that but anyway i that's always been my feeling while it's bad still we're better than off than other places and then at the same time though we have all these issues like developers their lives ruined by video games like they have the 80 90 hour weeks consistently and they don't see their families and they have awful working conditions and then voice actors are screaming and getting their voices destroyed and they only work four days out of the month and they don't get paid well for it so you know it just puts into perspective where we're at in the video game industry yeah i don't know about you but i'd I'd be pretty pissed if i was bleeding from the throat for paltry pay and not even not even knowing what the hell character i was supposed to be like that that sounds like me when i was I was the lead singer of a hardcore band in high school, and you just described my you exact for it, experience. Man. I'm sorry, you know, you're... bleeding from the throat, poor pay, and not knowing who I was supposed to be <laughs> accurately yeah. sums that experience up for me. That not sounds really. like that could represent a lot of people in high school, not just not just Eric Van Allen in a hard rock band in high school. We all have our phases. Oh God. <laughs> So real quick, Nintendo Switch, uh, we're not going to hear a lot more this year, or at least Nintendo would hope so. Uh, They have a live presentation for media scheduled for January 12th of next year, uh, where they're going to reveal more details on the Switch, including pricing and the release date, which is exciting, I guess. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not going to hear any more after this. Uh, Besides, we heard some things during their financial report, which happened yesterday, I forget when. We heard that they're not going to have a lot of units out at launch. They're only going to have two million, uh, which is outrageous compared to uh, for first fiscal year. Which is outrageous compared to the Wii U, which only sold that many, uh, but had about like 10 million units shipped first year, or uh, not even shipped, just uh, they had sold only two million. And other than that, not much else coming up from the Switch uh, since its reveal. However, Eurogamer did report some details on the screen and that it's a 6.2 inch screen and that it's 720p and that it's a multi-touch 
uh, capacitive screen, which means it's multi-touch as in like your phones as opposed to the 3DS or the Wii U, which sounds okay, I guess, whatever. Excited to hear more real things. That's from Eurogamer, Eurogamer, uh, same sources apparently that reported on the actual details of the console itself. And that was spot on. So makes you really confident that Nintendo is going to keep everything out of the press until the actual release day, right? Yeah, for sure. They have a real same source over and over again. Yeah, right. I mean, look, you know, something else. (laughs) Someone there, they all know that's how sources work. But I mean, that's the situation right now with Nintendo Switch. You guys were not here for last week when we discussed the Nintendo Switch, and uh, I thought it would be great to hear your reactions to the Switch, what you guys feel about it, what you guys want to see from it. Um, first, I'll give Nintendo props for figuring out the solution to uh, remote play, the, the Vita. Like, that's the uh, thing, because, like, you know, I can get it to work in my house. I can't get it to work, you know, at my school or at a friend's house or something else. Um, my one concern with the uh, reveal trailer was that it was primarily shown off with old games. Um, like, they had, like, some Wii U ports, they had Skyrim. Um, there was a new Mario, um, like we saw very brief glimpses of. So my fear is that this means that we're going to get a very Wii, like a, a launch very similar to the Wii U's, which was basically them trying to play catch up for like the past like two two or three years of not having an HD capable console. Um, and I feel like that was a ma- like I mean among the list of things that damn the Wii U is that it had mm. a launch lineup that was. Of games that everyone's already played. Um, I mean, if you look at things like Splatoon and Mario Kart, like those are some things that a lot of people might not have played at all because they might not have had a Wii U. But um, even so, I hope, like again, I hope I hope they do not spend the first year of this thing playing catch up and just kind of like hit the ground running instead of, you know, trying to give me games that I played on my PS4 two years ago. Mm. I would like to comment on that. Um, <laughs> I would like to rebuttal, I, sir. <laughs> well, so I think the the versions of the game they were showing, and obviously we don't have proof of this other than a few um, speculations that are coming about from screenshots, like the Mario Kart had some things in it that were not in the previous Mario Kart. Sure, yeah. I think Boo driving was one of them. King Boo. Um, King Boo. Not, not you know, we'll ask Boo. This is a King Boo. Um, but I... I think that on Ken's note, I do definitely see the Switch launching with a good games library, but a lot of games that are like enhanced versions of normal Nintendo games. Like, I think we will get, like, obviously Breath of the Wild, duh, that's a lock. New Mario was being shown, and that you can't really, like, doctor or fake from any other recent Mario game, because it doesn't look like any other one. Mm. But what is Mario Kart? What is every iteration of Mario Kart, but just a slightly nicer version of the last Mario Kart (laughs) with a few new features? So I totally see that happening. I totally see uh, a Splatoon Switch edition coming out that is just a slightly nicer looking version of Splatoon. They've got to have a Smash Brothers in the first three months. I they have to. Yeah, yeah like that. That console's got to live and die by Smash. The thing I'm worried about personally is like number one battery life. I need to know what battery life is like to see like where it fits in my ecosystem. Whether it's going to be a console on my shelf or whether I'm going to end up using the pad more often. And then I also really want to know what storage 
is like on that thing because the big thing that you're going to see in the first six months is a bunch of companies coming out with carrying cases for the switch Mm -hmm. and like you know little tablet cover things with the switch you want to know am i going to be carting around a bunch of cartridges with me because this thing only has like 256 gigs of onboard and like that might work for a tablet that might work for a laptop in some cases but that's not going to work for my gaming console where games are freaking huge nowadays um you know or am i going to be able to get a version of that thing that has a terabyte in it am i going to be able to like install a hard drive on it if i choose to like and then like what does that do with the size of it there's a lot of questions that they have concerning that and also like i i'm wondering a little bit about what their third party support is going to be like after initially i was like hey look look at all these third party people lined up to make stuff for the switch yeah but yeah, the Wii U is the same about... story. I mean, you know, you saw the same thing coming from when they announced the Wii U. They said, here's, look at all the third parties we're going to have attached to it. And a couple of those had launch stories. It's the same story. So, yeah. And the issue they've always had there is, like, form factor. Like, no one wants to make a Wii U game, like, a third-party Wii U game. Because you're basically making a new game at that point. Because you have to find a way to shoehorn in the Wii U pad. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for, like, the Wii but uh with the switch they have the nice part of like okay this is a really simple ass gaming console this is like a screen and controllers and buttons and you know what's going to happen with this thing Mm -hmm. you know like in general what it's going to be doing the issue is um not so much with smaller games but like look at like the big triple a games that we have nowadays and how often they require you to be online in some manner. Especially, like, we talk about the big games, like Overwatch, Hitman, uh, to some extent Call of Duty, Mm -hmm. Gears of War. Mm -hmm. Like, they all require you to be online in some fashion, and in most cases, actually require you to be online to just play the game at all. So, it's still going to get third-party support, and I think it's actually going to get better third-party support than people are initially realizing. Like, you think about games like Monster Hunter that have classically always been on the 3DS. Well, if Nintendo moves forward with the Switch as its main platform and Capcom decides to swing along for the ride, then you've got Monster Hunter on, like, a big screen for the first time in a long time, and that's really, really cool. Was but... Monster Hunter third-party or second-party? It's third party. Yeah, um, it's just ex- it's just exclusive to Nintendo platforms. Um, Atlas has a few program or a few games that do that as well. Like some of the um, Shin Megami Tensei games and things like that are only on Nintendo platforms, uh, and that's just kind of because the 3DS is so prevalent in Japanese culture and so prevalent mm-hmm. around those people. So um, yeah, I I don't know like. I need to see more. Sure, that's to, everyone. To really knows. like, yeah, yeah. I like the Switch though. I really like the idea, mm. and um, I'm hoping it does well. I'm hoping it gets. I, I mean, with Breath of the Wild already, like having played that game, like that is. If you need a system seller that is like above and beyond the normal reason of I'm buying this to play Nintendo games, Breath of the Wild is going to be a system seller. Yeah, but, sure. I. I agree with that. I'd like to see, honestly, just real, real quick. I I think that, you know, third-party support is important, and I talked about that. But honestly, what you need to see is uh, the system sells. You know, we, it didn't matter 
that there wasn't third party support right off the bat. A lot of it because it had Wii Sports and it sold 100 million copies. So all this thing has to do is sell 100 million copies and it'll be fine. But then third parties will come running to it. And how do you do that? You may not do that, but I think they need to bundle in. I'm going to predict this just, just for shits and giggles that they got to bundle in Mario. I think that there's yeah. plenty of reasons why they won't do that because Nintendo fans will buy Mario. But if it's bundled in and people see this Switch new thing, it could be a whole resurgence of that historical thing of everyone seeing the Nintendo and Mario on it. What's that Mario game? You know, the NES could just, it could be the same exact thing again if it's bundled in there. I think that's uh, Nintendo, you could take it to the bank, bundle Mario in, and you guys will be just fine. Anyway, we're going to jump into some games. Kenneth, you reviewed a game for our lovely website called GamingTrend.com. Uh, it's called World of Final Fantasy. No number attached to it. What did you think of the game? Uh, apparently, I was in the lower spectrum for all the reviews, which was surprising to me because I was talking to uh, David Roberts from GameStar about it because like, we were both reviewing it, and so we were just kind of like chatting about it throughout the entire point. Um, World of Final Fantasy is kind of... Kind of like Kingdom Hearts, like without all the Disney. Where so, what what are we left with here? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts without the Disney. <laughs> the, the, the Final yeah, Fantasy, Fantasy crossover. crossover. Kingdom Hearts without the Disney. This sounds true. awful. Very well, the, true. Very true. The Final Fantasy crossover, and um, and just in tone, like and in uh, design, like it just a lot of it looks like like the characters look like Kingdom Hearts characters as opposed to necessarily Final Fantasy characters. Except for like the Final Fantasy native characters are like on this weird like TBR style that um. It's, it's cute, I guess, but that's, yeah. Um, but even so, like, Kingdom Hearts, you know, to varying degrees, because everyone's going to go on about how convoluted it is, it is at least, like, co- like captivating enough in its stories and characters that it can be for both kids and adults, where World Final Fantasy is, like, it feels like a kid's game, but it is built to appeal to Final Fan- long-time Final Fantasy fans who I would assume are not children. Um, so it's got this weird identity crisis to it. The writing is very strange and bare-bones in a way that, like, granted, Final Fantasy Type-0 had a similar problem with, like, exposition and just, like, making its characters seem like actual fucking people, where World of Final Fantasy, like, the characters there are, like, really tropey and annoying, so, like, the best parts are, like, when you're not focusing on them and you're focusing on the Final Fantasy characters. But... So like it's it's stories like it's a muddy mess. So you would think that the battle system could at least even that out. And while it's got like these really smart ideas, like it's kind of like Pokemon, where like you're capturing monsters as you're traveling through this world, and you make these things called stacks, which are like characters. Literally, I'm I can show you guys visually because you're here. But like, say I'm one of the main characters, and Monokuma here is one of the monsters. You make these stacks of like characters stacked on top of each other. And by doing that, like, you basically have this, like, one entity that you're fighting with that has all their abilities and stats together. And then you can, like, unstack where you can have, like, six characters out at once. It's, like, it, it, it lends its, it's ostensibly lends itself to a lot of strategy. The game is just way too easy and mm. simple, like, I guess to appeal to children again, that you never really have to take advantage of any of that stuff. And uh, so, like, the whole thing is, like, it has all these cool concepts, but it is so dumbed down and childish that it, 
I don't really get who the game is for. Is it just the systems is, that are dumbed down, or is it like is the story like childish and silly? Or? I think just all, all all of it in general. When it, when I talk about the battle system being like dumbed down, it's just like like you have all these combinations you could have with the stacking system. But generally, if you've got you know three characters stacked on top of each other and you do a standard stack, you can handle just about anything. Like there's never a point of like switching out your party or your formations uh, to compensate for anything because a standard attack and the occasional potion will get you through just about anything that happens. Like even even by the point that you get to the end of the game when it's getting harder, um, I like I, I beat the final boss with that same tactic and I beat the final boss with the same monsters I had had twenty hours prior. Okay. Like I never had there was never a point to change in any of these things. So it's like all these cool concepts that the game is just, I don't think, equipped to actually utilize. Because, again, it has this weird identity crisis. It feels like it. it is easy in the way that makes me think it's made for kids, but it's also written in a way that makes it seem like it's for kids. But it also has all these Final Fantasy characters that kids are not going to know. Right. Like, I don't think kids are playing any Final Fantasies, really. Like, like kids my nephew's age, like, he's like eight. Like, I don't think, like, who, who I think this game would be like, ideal for just in terms of like is difficulty in both story comprehension and battle system um he's not gonna know who cloud is he's not gonna know who Yuna is he's not gonna know who lightning is so i mean like it's 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 not bad it's like the (laughs) most basic serviceable jrpg and i mean if you want if you're like if you're like really needing final fantasy and you can't wait a month from now to play final fantasy 15 it's there. It's not offensive. It's not offensively bad or anything. Mm. It's just like altogether unremarkable. So it's bad. I, look, yeah, like you know, there are other there are, in this day and age uh, with the indie scene and with uh, you know Jap- great Japanese sports, there are tons and tons of RPGs, JRPGs to select from. Uh, so many of them greatly inspired by the Final Fantasy series. You know, I am Setsuna being one of the uh, favorites of this year. You know, not everyone, not everyone feels the same way about I am Setsuna. I, I kind of liked Sets- I am Setsuna. I didn't play a lot of it though, but a lot of people liked it. While it, <laughs> a lot of people said the same thing that it's not very much a, uh, not not a very deep game. Takes no risks. Yeah, right. Okay. So it is safe. It is safe RPG. The game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's totally fair, you know, and it sounds like the same is the same. Um, I mean, but Would the thing you? is, like, when you say that you suggest, like, you know, if you can't wait for Final Fantasy 15 to come out, I feel like this game does not look like anything that is Final Fantasy 15. While Final Fantasy 15 is Final Fantasy, the way it looks, and you've played it, so I wouldn't know. It looks like it's Final Fantasy in name alone. So I'm surprised you say that, you know, because like that this game looks totally. I, mean, I, I think it's like if you need. If you needed it, something that is ostensibly a Final Fantasy VI, this is there. Okay, sure. But if you want a good, if you want a good Final Fantasy crossover game, get Dissidia. That's what you need. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So would you say that like maybe not if you're waiting for Final Fantasy XV? Should you play World of like say you're like a newcomer and you're like I want to go into Final Fantasy XV with like some knowledge of what this series series is? Should you play World of Final Fantasy or should you play like an actual Final Fantasy game like? the 10 I, remasters I say, or stuff like that. I would say you need to go back and play something like 10 or 7 because World of Final Fantasy, if you do not like Final Fantasy, this game will mean nothing to you. Like, 
that that is like one of the better parts of it. Like you are meeting all these characters, like from the first game to up up until the thirteen. Like there's, I don't think there was a fourteen or a or a fifteen representative character or anything like It'd that. It'd be kind of hard to um, do fourteen or or even eleven, though, right? Uh, I mean, like I was gonna have to be like an NPC. There, eleven is an MMO, isn't it? Yeah, so it's fourteen. Yeah, it's fourteen. yeah. yeah, right. Fourteen. I think actually, yeah, yeah. I was looking at because now that I'm thinking about, it, I think there might be a fourteen character in there. Like she was like not a uh, like an NPC or something. Yeah, I think she was an, she was an NPC like as like a shopkeeper or something. You want, um, you want to play a good uh, uh, Final um, Fantasy game? You play Final Fantasy six, Final Fantasy ten, or Suikoden in two. Those are the best three. That's, uh, that's a good Final Fantasy game. <laughs> or you don't play them at yeah. all. <laughs> you know what excellent JRBG series has an excellent game, though? Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest. Oh, uh, yeah. The segue. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm here for. Um, I got to play in Dragon Quest Builders over the past couple weeks. I wrote a review of it over at PaceMagazine.com. Uh, and it's kind of one of the best games I've played this year. Um... <laughs> It's like it's in contention with The Witness and Overwatch for me, and I think Overwatch is still my number one. But mm-hmm. um, Dragon Quest Builders, like when that first got shown at was it this last E3 or the E3 before? Maybe it was like a Tokyo Game Show, even where it first got shown. But it was kind of like, oh, they're making Minecraft. That's how exciting. Yeah, yep. but um, and, and you know, like the appeal of Minecraft was not lost on me initially like the idea of having this like lego brick world that i could build stuff in was really cool but uh it always just felt like super hollow to me because like i had a very long argument with travis northup member of the site um <laughs> who <laughs> we do that a lot we like each other a lot but we do disagree fairly often um and it, it was about how the the minecraft community kind of like that world is not lived in. It does not like recognize your presence. And so the way that the community kind of grew up around it was that they made that, you know, they had role play servers or that, you know, you would call up your friends like, Hey, we're going to do Minecraft stuff together. We're going to build a giant penis. I don't know. Like, God, how did I know? I've never had friends that. call me and talk to me. I was trying to think of Minecraft. anything else that people build in Minecraft, but it's either roller coasters or penis. It's going to um, be great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the penis coaster. Um, <laughs> Uh, is this where Minecraft Bigger, Longer, and Uncut comes in? Or? Yes. Yeah. The bigger, blacker Minecraft. <laughs> um, but, like, that's that's what Minecraft was. Like, Minecraft was its community. Like, when mm-hmm. you look at that game, especially, like, on a single-player level, people can be like, oh, there is, like, an ending to that game, and you fight, like, the final boss, the Ender Dragon. Yeah, but, like, that's bullshit. That's, like, such a dumb, like, thing that got tossed in at the end that was yeah, like, yeah, I guess we should have Minecraft, something right. that you work towards. But, like, you know, I've seen all those, like, images of people who build, like, Minecraft castles and are like, look at my awesome castle. Who's going to attack that? Like, nothing in the game attacks your castle. In fact, like, monsters don't spawn Uh if you have lights up in the area. So it's like, nothing's going to try and fight back against you. Like, the world doesn't give a shit that you built that castle. Because the villagers aren't going to go live in it and work your fields and stuff. But in Dragon Quest Builders, they do! It sounds like the purpose purpose of Minecraft was lost on you. And then Dragon Quest, like, gave you that purpose. (laughs) 
so many things in Dragon Quest Builders is done right. You have villagers, you build rooms, and then the game is, you build, like, like a little, like, area, and you put, like, a bed and a chest and a lantern in there, and then you put a door on it, and it's like, hey, this is a bedroom. I'm going to, like, designate it as a bedroom, so that way, at night, when the creepy ghouls come out, all the little villagers can go over and sleep in the bed so they don't get hit by the ghouls. That's <laughs> so really this is cool. Dragon Quest II, The Sims? Kind of, yeah. It's got like a little bit of The Sims in there where it's like it recognizes distinct rooms, but you can build it in like that Minecraft way where it's like, you know, I built like this two story in slash masonry studio thing, and like <laughs> the villagers will interact. They'll go in and they'll like go to your anvil and they'll start making like metal stuff and then they'll put it in the chest that you have put there for you to use later or like they'll go to the kitchen and make you like lunch so that way when you come back from your questing that you've been on or you know and yeah it has objectives it has questing it has bosses and like you come back from those you're like my hunger meter's low you reach into that chest you got a little lunch packed for you your villagers did it they're super awesome <laughs> like there's so many little th- okay the thing one of the things i've always hated about minecraft Whenever you, like, build a house and then you want to change that house, say, like, you make it initially out of earth because the only thing you can bind with your fists is earth. Mm-hmm. Say you want to turn that into stone. you got to tear the whole thing down and then build it back. Oh, dude, you, stone you, you Minecraft so wrong. I'm sorry. You ditched that house. That house is done, man. Your mud hut, you got to move on. No, you got to build your in castle this, over here. In this one, they have an item called cladding that you just use and then it turns all the earth bricks around you into stone outrageous outrageous it's just like I worked for you just that hit stone, it and it's like man. i i mined for and that it's stone awesome well so you still have to build like you have to build stone or you have to find stone and then turn it into stone yeah, wall I and then turn that, that stone house. wall into cladding god damn but like they speed up things and then you like you have boss battles where like this condor comes in and you have to build a ballista and shoot that fucking condor and it's <laughs> dirty condor mouth and take it out of the skies because you own this sky this is your sky that's what i'm talking about like wow you defend your fortress you actually have like things that you care about in this game Mm -hmm. and it's not you know it's not just like oh yeah i was building my house and then some creeper spawned in a dark corner and blew it up so now i gotta rebuild it it's like nah man a golem attacked my city because it was like fuck your castle and i was like fuck my castle fuck you and then you killed that golem because this is your town so it sounds like it's the npc uh implementation that really like fixes minecraft yes. for you yes is that like it's these enemies and it's these villagers that you that you yes. protect so that's pretty cool uh, my- it's it's so good yeah it's just there's so many good things about this game and like the and i haven't even gotten to my like absolute favorite part which is like it's split up so there's like an overarching mode that is like a free roam free play mode but then the actual there's a story mode that's split up into chapters Mm -hmm. and so like when you get to the end of (laughs) (laughs) when you get to the end of chapter one it's like hey cool you built an awesome castle you built it you stopped the golem from destroying your castle you get to go to the next chapter now but guess what you forget everything you've learned you lose all the things that you have in your inventory uh you're starting a completely new land with all kinds of new challenges and monsters that you don't even know about and you don't remember how to build anything that you just built so like you don't get to build the stockade that you just had that like held off all those massive waves of monsters you gotta come up with something new Mm. and it's like 
that's awesome because then it's because then they have this opportunity like okay chapter one it's all kind of like you're building a castle there's like stockades and stone and it's very like by the numbers but then chapter two there ain't no stone anywhere you don't got that safety net you got to use wood you got to use ballistas you got to use like i built a poison moat and i drowned people who were trying to come into my village i drowned them in the poison moat because that's what i do god damn it feels good and then uh, chapter it three <laughs> it gives you like bodybuilders and you have cannons and you're like shooting cannons at trolls while they're like slowly approaching your castle mm. oh oh this, this this game is great God i damn. really like this game wow and the fact it's that it's very, in, very in contention with uh witness and overwatch which are yeah yeah two like, of the I greatest of its I mean, one of those games is bad so <laughs> <laughs> and it's also so it's on ps4 uh and it's on vita Vita. I've actually been playing it mostly on Vita because not only is it 20 bucks cheaper, but yeah. it, uh, for the most part, it's pretty much the same game. You get a few instances of like frame pop in where it's like you're walking along and also like, oh, that's a mountain over there. That wasn't there like two seconds ago. But uh, the only thing you're really missing out on is like a little bit of graphical fidelity. And then like it gets a little framey in spots when like you have a couple giants bearing down on you and you're like launching tons of cannons at them. And yeah, stuff. no, that's totally. Then it's like, I hold on, I'm on, just on a Vita. Vita. <laughs> yeah, having it on the Vita, you gotta have stuff for the Vita. You know, that's fantastic. But yeah, no, it's so good on the Vita. I've I've put like 30, 40 hours into it on the Vita already, and it's so so. Good. I've put about twenty minutes into the game. So the only thing that I could possibly comment on is obviously petty, silly things that someone who's only played a game for 20 minutes could say. And it's based like, I just, the only issue I would have with the game from what you're describing is that the fucking button mapping is outrageous. They have, yeah, you gotta get on, used to that. They have jump on circle, on, jump on they circle. have attack on triangle <laughs> and X is some odd, like menu thing menu. that I really don't want <laughs> popping up but every it, time my mind says press X. Cause you want to jump it's on menu talk and interact. Wow. All three at the same wow. time. And <laughs> I can't wait for that year, 2016, where all button mapping is totally standardized and you don't even have to change anything. You know? No, you just have one button. Yeah. It's one button. Perfect. Everything. Oh, God, that's what I want, man. But I mean, I'm I'm excited now that you saying like at the same quality or in the same ballpark quality level as The Witness. The Witness is my game of the year. Love Overwatch. Overwatch very, I go to good. all the time, but Witness is like a whole other thing. So I'm excited to get into more of it. Builders goes places. Builders. I think you're gonna like where it goes places. I'm sure I will. Like, I gotta get out of. There's some I gotta dumb get out of VR. That game. I gotta it's get great. out of VR right now. I've been playing too, so much VR that my eyes look like this most of the time. You know, like I can't can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I'm excited to get on the Vita, get back to casual stuff, uh, screen games as we call them here. Dragon Quest Two goes beyond just building penises, guys. It goes to it goes to defending your penises against golems. It's the real deal. Penis. Man. <laughs> yeah, I always find myself being assaulted by golems always. and trolls. Every day, outrageous all sorts of stuff. Yeah. These golems. That's grinder. Yeah. Anyway, Mike, I'm sure Mike wants to get out of here. So, Mike, do you want to talk about any games in particular? I'm just still just playing Battlefield. I'm supposed good old to, Battlefield. I'm supposed to have. Yeah, man. Like, I don't need to talk about yeah. it though. Very, yeah, I, I absolutely did two whole weeks about great it. Great yeah. I'm dude. I I, <laughs> I haven't bought Battlefield yet, but I you and Josh oh. sold it on me hard. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna That's get my it. game of the year for sure.
why don't we close up the show with a very, very quick what's trending. So since it's Halloween weekend, uh, I figured it'd be cute to uh, do any suggestions for favorite spooky games, uh, whether it be this year or past 10 years or past like your entire life. Uh, it's just a quick suggestion. I like that one. Uh, That's a yeah, good one. Yeah, you know, Halloween, we got to get something. Top of the list for me is Oxenfree. Oxenfree is a fantastic spooky game. It is very much the cliche teenager spooky story that uh, everyone pretends they don't want to be a part of, but everyone loves. It also does very, very interesting things that I want to see so much more of uh, with the conversation simulator that you see from like Telltale and stuff like that. But so much more streamlined and so much smoother. Like, you know, you can be in a conversation People are having conversations, NPCs, characters, and you can pop in with your speech bubble or you could just opt out. And that is the most interesting thing about this game. Besides really cool hidden things with the story, this really cool radio that transmits like spooky ghosts, top-notch game that couldn't make like my top of the year list because it's just so many other great, great, great games of like such high caliber. But, I mean, Oxenfree is such a great game, such a gem, and uh, Halloween is the time to play it. Uh, do you guys have any, any suggestions for spooky Halloween games? My first one that comes Absolutely. to mind that is playable on a modern-day console is Until Dawn, um, mm-hmm. which I yep. I know Mike hasn't because he's on PS4, but I, and I know Eric's played it. Uh, Joey, you played it? I have it and have been waiting for... I've promised my girlfriend that we would play it together, and we bought what, it last year. Better time than Halloween. now. No, I, that's a really good know, way to play that game. Get the girlfriend, you know, she, you know. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I thought you said I gotta get a girlfriend. <laughs> no, no, have the girlfriend. Check one, one checkbox done. No, just you know, time, you know, it never works out. My girlfriend, we play it. Now I just she's not a hard girlfriend. Actually, only exists in that PSVR that he keeps talking about. Hatsune Miku is gonna play until dawn. She doesn't love video games. I swear this would make her love video games until dawn because it's so much more approachable and like it's different. You know, it's so good for that. It's so good for that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the move for us for sure. Yeah, but anyway, Kenneth. That's the next step in your relationship is Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's second video game base. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Wait, does that come oh. before or after building giant penises and defending them from we're, goals? We're is good. That, is we're that good third base the, or home we're base? good on the corny jerks. Good on it. We call that a ground ball to, to left. We met our quota. <laughs> Eric, quick uh, spooky game pitch. Um, so I don't like horror games for the most part oh. because... um. I don't I don't like hide and seek as a mechanic. I think it's a boring mechanic. So I tend to not play those games because they're mostly hide and seek. Uh I will say that like what I've seen of like the new Resident Evil looks really, really good and actually like up my alley and will lead me to saying that Resident Evil, um, the originals like one and two would probably be like my scary game picks. Um for something more modern, uh PT is 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 off like, yeah if you can obviously if you can it's awesome if it, you can if you still have if you still it still have it even, um, yeah. there's a new one that has been sitting in my library and i've been meaning to check it out it's called the house abandoned uh it is a freeware game you don't need to pay any money to download it it's supposed to be very scary in a very good way and uh it plays on a lot of like old style text adventure games and stuff like that so i'm really interested in playing that i'm probably gonna save that for like a late night or something like that but um but Resident Evil 7 looks real good. So I might that might be my foray back into it. But I'm the person who plays um 
crap what was soma i'm the person who plays soma and is like this game would be better if the monsters weren't in it <laughs> honestly gone home was a better horror game than gone soma home was. terrifying on, by on not being scary basis. at all holy crap great game gone home was secretly horrifying yeah <laughs> all right so mike quick pitch for a spooky game for halloween weekend uh, so I've got one or two. I'm not like kind of like Eric. I'm not a big horror game guy. I'm not a big horror movie guy either. I just don't. Yeah. This whole genre doesn't sure. do a ton for me in general. Um, but uh, there were there have been some surprises over the years. Um, one that sticks out is really really old, and I don't even know. I I really don't even know if it's available or if you could find it anywhere. But it's called The Seventh Guest, and um, oh Eric, it's like it. that's my <laughs> that's my <laughs> shit, man. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm a good game. That video game hipster bone in there. I'm honestly surprised right to meet there, someone man. that actually even knows my, what the seventh guest is. Real I'm talk. My mom, like when I was young, um, and we had a computer here, and my dad like played Command and Conquer and Quake and all that kind of stuff. My yeah, yeah. My mom bought the seventh guest, and so as a kid, I would watch her play the seventh guest. So like, I still mm-hmm. remember a lot of those scenes with the ghosts and all that kind of stuff. And yep. I love and that the game. cursor that's like the hand that goes the, the bony hand the that goes bony back hand and forth going like around. This. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> yeah, that game is so good. Yeah. So yeah, like if if you, I mean, and it's kind of a puzzle game too. So it's not just uh, you know, it's not just mindless walking around stuff. You have to, and they're pretty tough puzzles from what I remember. Although I was young, so I don't know. Maybe if I looked at it now, they'd be cake. My but, mom um, had choice words you, for one of those puzzles. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I bet. And then my number two. It's not actually a whole game. It's just a really small snippet of a multiplayer experience. Mm-hmm. And that was the first Left 4 Dead, yeah, surprisingly. Word. Left 4 Dead, oh, yeah, great yeah. I remember, like, the first couple times I played that, even with buddies, especially when you could hear the crying from the witch. The witch. Oh, man. But you didn't know where the hell she was. That actually got really oh, creepy and suspenseful. Yes. The three or four of you would be walking around and mm-hmm. you hear this nasty, creepy-ass crying yeah, coming yeah. out. And the, oh shit, where the hell where is she? Where is she? Where oh, is she, damn man? It, oh. Someone walks into a yeah. car and the horde comes and then and then someone accidentally runs into the witch without realizing it and you start getting slashed in the back and all hell breaks yeah, loose. And oh. That was just yeah. money on a whole nother level mm-hmm. that I'd never seen Couldn't before. Couldn't agree with you more. Left 4 Dead. The Times, man. The Times was Left 4 Dead. So good. Left 4 Dead too. Oh, yeah. real quick to note, um, Turtle Rock Studios who made Left 4 Dead recently had to close down their most recent game oh yeah well like um, for, close down support for their recent game for evolve yeah 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 which, which good because now they can make left for dead 3 which is great which is fine so thank god let, perfect so that's what i want that. i'm sorry i never left played evolve. Three and half life three coming up I'm, you heard it here 2017 right here. absolutely <laughs> yeah so all right great spooky games for the weekend absolutely uh Last thing, anyone have anything to plug? Twitter handles or pieces they're working on, reviews they're working on? I was going to say you can email us at uh, podcast at gamingtrend.com. What a great idea. Opening up that box of worms. I didn't know about the email. Excellent. (laughs) You can email us at podcast at gamingtrend.com. We don't even have access to it yet. It's a good (laughs) idea to not know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As far as stuff for me... um, you can find me at cmoosey at s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i on twitter um now that i'm freelancer extraordinaire all the time uh you'll see me sometimes popping up on gaming trends sometimes popping up on other websites uh 
you know, IGN, uh, Pace Magazine, write a lot for ESPN Esports. I follow, right. literally today I watched like almost six hours of Dota 2. Yep, like, yep, big Dota fan. Um, and that was a short day in terms of how much coverage there was out there. Good old Boston Major qualifiers are going on right now. And uh, I'm not saying or confirming anything because I'm not technically allowed to, but I think if you keep your eyes on Vice's new website, you might see something interesting going up there pretty soon. And that would be exciting if it theoretically involved me. Oh, so, okay. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You just just look Vice's around follow me website? on Twitter. Yeah. It's called Waypoint. Waypoint. Uh, they're doing a seven. I, I know we probably shouldn't plug other websites too much on here, I but um, I mean, I don't give a shit. I don't know but if Ron and con- Mike do. Congrats to them. Congrats to them for making a website in the year 2016, because that is like, it, it seems like half the game news you hear nowadays is like X and X is leaving, you know, whatever website and layoffs are happening and stuff like that. It's awesome to see a new website open it's always a good thing sure, more voices sure. please yeah um ken what about you uh you can find me at shepherd cdr at s-h-e-p-a-r-d c-d-r um shepherd uh as for what i've been working on you can find my um world of final fantasy review on game and trend um at some point fingers crossed my episode three review of batman should be up. I I fucked up and I didn't get around to reviewing episode two, but um, yeah. Hopefully that'll be around because I'm kind of uh falling behind on that. Uh, quick. Just post that. a picture of Bruce Wayne's butt <laughs> yes, and put one hundred out of one hundred under it. Um, call it a day. Call it a review. <laughs> Dude, what's up? Yeah, call it a that, That's the review. That's the review. Yeah. That's the preview. That's the, that's the game the of the year. Right. That's the impression. Um. But yeah, that's about uh, the majority of what I'm working on that is uh, out in the internet or soon to be on the internet. Okay. Mike, anything to plug for our listeners? Uh, no, I'm going to have a review coming up. I can't say what it is no yet. Um, don't even actually have the game in hand, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> yet. But it, um, it'll be out in the next couple of weeks, which doesn't really mean anything if you don't know a damn thing about it. But uh mm-hmm keep your eyes on the horizon i guess and uh in the meantime follow me at grumpy gamer uh on twitter that's grumpy with two r's all one word okay excellent and you can follow me at joey dagabonuts that's j-o-e-y-d-a-g-o bonuts and you can find whatever I'm writing, mostly at Gaming Trend, as well as these fine gentlemen here writing plenty of things uh, now and again for Gaming Trend. Uh, if you have any questions, you may send them to podcast at gamingtrend.com. And we may or may not answer and them. And we may or may not answer them. Send, it may just send us pictures send, of your Minecraft penises. Send none of those. And the biggest absolutely. and grandest you have. Thank you for saying that, Eric Van Allen. Now that you don't have to do anything with that inbox, I really I'll make a top that. 25 list on GamingTrend.com. Of the, yes, fantastic. So we need 25 of them, if you would. And then a bit, penis hey, of the year edition. I want I want a large variety. Okay, I like to I like to be picky if I can. I like not just 25. Boy, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much for joining us this week. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we gave you all our Twitter handles. You can find all of our content on GamingTrend.com. Please join us next week. Thank you so much. We all love you so much. Goodbye.